Welcome to the Trail Busters podcast, where we talk everything outdoors and adventures. I'm Bing. I'm Will. I'm Ethan. And this week, we're going to talk about planning for your next backpacking trip. Planning. Uh, planning. Planning. I mean, let's... Do we need stuff? What do we need? Let's, let's find, find out. out. <laughs> <laughs> Trail Busters. So, what do you guys think about planning? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you not really think about it as much as you probably should? Do you dread it? I mean, dreading it is such a harsh word, but it's necessary, dude. Like, like, how would you know where to go, what to see, what to do, and try not to get hurt, right? You can't just walk Mm. into Mordor. (laughs) So how would you guys start planning this trip? Like... Like, I'm just going to preference this where um, I'm probably the most novice in terms of backpacking. And uh, you guys probably have vast more experience than I am. So I just want to kind of pick your brains a little bit and see uh, how I can level up my game. For me, it really depends on uh, what type of camping and if I'm going with a group. So my favorite type of trip to plan for um, is probably the least fun to go on, if I'm being honest, is a solo trip. Um, it's super good to plan for though, because, um, I'm always, I always try to be super prepared to the extent where I already have my gear fairly well organized. And if I decided that on like this Thursday that I want to go, I see an opening to go into Algonquin park on Friday. Um, I already know I have enough food, camping food stored in my camping gear that I can just grab all the stuff from a couple different shelves throw it into my backpack and go. Um, so for me, that's, that's very different than group camping. Um, right. group camping is obviously a lot more fun when you're out there, but it's much harder to nail down. Um, even just like picking when everyone can go, what type of trail everyone's comfortable doing. If you like what type of equipment you're going to be using to get there, um, things like that. Um, yeah. Talking about you, trails, like, Is this something that you look ahead of time? Like, do you look at the reviews and stuff like that? Like, do you just go in and just wing it? Like, what do you do? For me, um, I often get ideas from friends or uh, just, you know, I think, I, you know, it's hard when you're new to like a state park. um, Then it's sort of like, you know, uh, it's your oyster. You can kind of just pick a trailhead and go. Um, but I often, you know, have somebody who's maybe done a day hike that they suggested or something and I'll go up and, and do a little mosey, like a shorter walk, uh, or hike. And then that'll give me some ideas. Okay. You know, that's what the train's like. Uh, I saw, you know, how you'd get further into the back country here. And then I start doing some research thinking about that. Um, nice for me, like canoe camping has been a new whole thing. Like it's not something I've ever really done. And I've been learning a lot about how to plan for a trip like that. And, you know, I, I found for me, the the first thing is like, that I always do is I just figure out like what a reasonable trip is. And there's a lot of like kind of predefined common routes that people take canoe camping, but also just any kind of hiking. And, uh, first thing is you just got to reserve it. You know, you, you go onto the, uh, website or whatever uh maybe and and make your reservations and and that can be a little bit guest you know guesstimation to some extent if you haven't done the hike before how could you really know right but just try to know how many miles or kilometers you can hike a day 
and uh, start small if, if you don't know and kind of go from there. But yeah, it's always an element of like, I don't know. I hope this works out. <laughs> At least for me, maybe not for <laughs> yeah. you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so one thing that's key that we'll mention there is in Ontario in particular, you definitely, um, camping is very popular here. Um, and all the provincial parks require uh, reservations for all the sites you're going to stay at. Um, if you're going someplace like Algonquin, basically the way they set it up is they have, um, say they have five sites around a specific lake. Uh, okay. You'll book a site on a lake and then it's first come first serve for those five. So you've just booked that you get one of those five and then you, like when you arrive, you take that one. Um, as opposed to some smaller parks have it where you have to pick like this site number. Um, but for provincial parks, you always have to book in advance. Um, you're probably not going to be able to show up to the park office and just book then. Um, but for sure you need to have a permit, uh, with you. You need to give them a description of your canoe, uh, and tent if you're canoeing. Um, and you need to leave a pass at your car right. for one. So, you know, you have a site cause you're supposed to go to a designated site. Uh, and for two, if you're, supposed to be in there over a weekend and they come by and check the parking lot and it's two days after you're supposed to be gone and your stuff's still there uh, they'll know they need to look for you um which is that's good that's good to know that someone's actually keeping an eye out yeah 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 so on the ontario parks from what i've heard are really good about that which is which is a good thing uh the only place you could really go camping without having a pre-planned trip is uh, crown land camping but even then you'd have to know the crown land really well uh already to know like for sure you're allowed to camp here because crown land anyone can use if it's if it's designated um for camping use you can just go and camp there like wherever um but it's also like you could be walking through crown land and then walk into an area that's no longer crown land, so you got to be really careful with that. Um, yeah, right, I've never done. I that. guess you kind of treat the kind of treat the the bookings as like checkpoints in your in your hiking journey, right? Yeah, yeah, they, they really um, help structure your trip. Yeah, and I so I choose my trips usually uh, my routes a little bit different than um, than Will. I don't have a ton of um, with the people that I've gone camping with backpacking and stuff like that, we're usually at the same experience level or I'm more experienced, um, for the most part. So I don't have a, a lot of people that I'm asking, like what routes have you done lately and, and stuff like that. It's more of, um, a big part of the planning is actually, um, I go camping with you guys and with a couple other friends who are all in the Toronto area and I live in Ottawa. Um, so a lot of my, planning is what access point is going to be the mm. easiest for everyone to get yeah, to right and timing that and then i have some really cool maps uh, i'm completely gapping i should have grabbed one of them so i had the name of them um for algonquin park and you can get them for a bunch of different other provincial parks that have all the routes um and they also have uh, not only do they have distance but they also have time on all the routes of oh, how nice. long it would take an experienced camper and then they also have a multiplier that they suggest like if you're a beginner multiply that time by this <laughs> or if you're at this level multiply by this that's and really good um yeah. they're actually they're fairly accurate um from the couple trips i've done with them um they're su- super useful for that and you can see um 
from there, it can just be like, all right, I know I'm going to have around this much time, give myself some padding. That means I can get to this spot. Um, one of these lakes, I'll pick a, spite, a spot there and just kind of eyeball it until I have, you know, all the nights I want to be there filled out. And then I'll bounce it off whoever I'm going with and go from there. Nice. So what is a typical distance that you go from site to site? Hiking, I think I can do like 16 kilometers a day. It's like what I try to budget for. I don't know where I came up with that number. Um, but I mean, it's divisible by four and it's squared. <laughs> nice, so. nice round number. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I've been using that. Yeah. And that's, that's it's pretty, I think it's probably fairly conservative, but I, I've never been like a one to be too fussed with you know, trying to get a certain like distance or something like that. So yeah, I, I think it's, it, it really depends too on where you're going. Uh, because with canoeing, um, the size of the lake and the number of portages makes a big difference in like the size of the portages. So that uh, if, if you're doing a lot of portaging, you're not going to be able to go nearly as far as if you're doing a lot more stuff, um, you know, on, sticking to water right and if you're in big open bodies of water that are like wider you have a little bit more wind to deal with so you got to worry about that um so that's why the maps having the rough times on them is super helpful for me uh, and the same with hiking uh, as soon as you start getting into rough terrain like if it's if it's a hilly trail it's going to be you're not going to get nearly as much distance you're going to get a lot more tired and be a lot slower than if it's a fairly flat trail um or like a marshy trail or any anything that's gonna um uh in, in like D D terms be difficult terrain <laughs> <laughs> um just a little nerd flex there uh anything that's gonna slow you down like that it it's harder to account for in my opinion um so i've i've always been nervous about that gotcha um, i mean i guess you can kind of reference the maps um for general distance and the multipliers i think that's a safe bet Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think uh, Will's 16 kilometers sounds reasonable to me. And then like I, I just try and be fairly conservative with my estimate because right. I'm also, I think, Will, you're probably in the same boat. I, I don't, I'm not trying to set any record of how far I go. I just want to go in the woods and have some fun. Yeah. Right? So I, I yeah. find that like, I don't know. I, I think with this kind of thing, it's like, it's almost like you're breaking a seal. Like getting into a, a park for the first time is such a big step it's a huge step and like if you're new to backpacking or you don't do it very often or you know whatever you know you're breaking in gear you're you're learning your comfort levels you're learning your distance mm -hmm. so it's like it's so important that like you know you, you you kind of like break it in slowly so you know i think the biggest part of planning is like you really you really um you get better at it over time so don't like you know plan a trip that feels like comfortable and and, and it's going to be fun and then build up, you know, but like right. really, um, I think a, a rookie mistake is to be like, well, I can run, you know, 11 K <laughs> no trail problem. And you can go. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I think I, I'll push myself and I'll do this big loop and you know, it'll be epic. And it's like, everything will go wrong. Like everything will go wrong. You'll be hungry and tired <laughs> and, and pissed off by the end of it. And just don't like instead yeah. like plan for like a leisurely trip with lots of like time to chill and you know if if you're especially yeah. if it's nice out you're on a lake if you get to the site early 
then that means more time to set up your stuff in daylight and like go for a swim or go fishing or like do other activities that you might be there to do. Um, That's true. And I think, I think the enjoyment kind of wins over just like, you know, getting to a, a, a site and just calling it a day and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and then once you once you've got a lot of miles under your belt, that's when you can say like I know this park really well. I know how far I can go. Maybe right. I'm going to try and go a little further. But mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think the the most fundamental thing is just to have fun on these trips. And mm-hmm. I yeah. guess if you're planning this out, like of course you want to start packing some stuff to make it enjoyable. So let's yep. say let's say you want to pack the essentials um for like you know, sleeping, what's comfortable to hike in, what to use the sites. Like, what would you start thinking about in terms of packing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I have I have a little guide I've been collecting, and I'm, I'm hoping at some point maybe to put it up on the Trailbusters website as like a blog post or something of just the essentials for things you need to get into backpacking. Um, and I like to, I like to break it down into... You know, you need some some sort of sleep system and or shelter. Uh, you need food and some way to prepare that food. And you need water and some way to get more clean water. And uh, you need clothes and things to hike in. Uh, you're also going to need a backpack. Um, so that's really your starting points. Right. Um, uh, from, from there, like a lot of that stuff... Um, Aside from food, a lot there's a lot of things that each person on the trip is going to need to bring. Um, there are certain miscellaneous things that people can kind of share between them, um, especially when it comes to food and kitchen type stuff. Like if one person has a good stove or if you want to have a backup, if two people have a good stove um, or somebody has a stove and somebody brings some stuff to start a fire, um, not everyone needs it, uh, but like everyone's going to need a sleeping bag. Everyone needs their own pair of shoes. You know, there are some basic pieces like that. Clean pair of socks, maybe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Socks are huge. Actually. Weather turns. (laughs) Socks are like gold. Yeah. So actually maybe touching on what I do for clothes, um, for me personally, especially if I'm going to be on a multi-day trip, um, in, especially when hiking, uh, you don't really have as much room to carry a ton of stuff. So I'll usually bring like my daytime clothes and my nighttime clothes. My daytime clothes will be like my hiking pants. Um, so good, like Merino wool socks. Um, I use, I've got, um, two pairs actually, but I usually only bring one when I'm camping of like a good pair of darn tough socks. Um, here like smart wool are really good too. They're all kind of, if you splurge on the nice pair of merino wool socks they keep your feet super dry and a lot of them have like a lifetime warranty so if you ever get a hole in them you get a new pair oh wow um i thought that was really cool nice. they've got some really great comfort padding built in and stuff so i i just always bring one of my pairs of those to wear during the day in my hiking shoes i like kind of trail runnery like lighter weight shoes some people like more ankle support right um and then i'll have my like hiking underwear a t-shirt and then I'll usually bring like a sweater and rain jacket, especially like depending on time of year, hat, sunglasses, um, sunscreen, bug spray. And that's kind of like my outfit stuff I put on to go hiking. And then when I get to the site, I like to have 
usually flip-flops if it's really buggy maybe something a little more closed footed but something that i can take my hiking shoes off and change into i usually bring like a comfy pair of like fluffier socks for sleeping in in case it gets cold mm-hmm. and either gym shorts or pajamas and like some looser clean underwear to sleep in and like a, a cotton t-shirt that i didn't sweat in all day to sleep in um then depending on how hot <laughs> i am i'll shift layers it's kind of my clothing breakdown right yeah. and, and and i think i think the merino wool point is is uh it's good because that kind of material kind of um wicks out moisture and stuff like that too so it's it keeps you dry mm-hmm. doesn't it yeah yeah they're super they're super nice um even if um i usually wear fairly water permeable shoes so like if my feet get wet my socks get wet um, they don't dry as quickly as you'd like sometimes but they do dry a lot faster than cotton socks right in particular um and they're good at regulating temperature so even in the, in really hot weather once you kind of get used to having them on um it's they're not you don't feel like your feet are boiling or anything uh, but the best part is i take them off and leave them hanging somewhere in my tent inside out and they're almost always dry in the morning and good to go yeah. unless i sometimes if i dunk them in water like right before bed they might be damp in the morning depending <laughs> on the weather but that's I true just try not to do that i feel like i don't know my, I, i'm a bit of like I, I like having really nice gear and i do spend a lot of money and time mm-hmm. like getting good stuff but i also somehow have this feeling that's like sometimes you don't really know what you need until you kind of do a trip with like subpar gear and you're like, Oh man, I really wish I had X or Y. And (laughs) and I I kind of, I'm a big advocate of like, take your bumps. Like don't, don't worry too, too much. And like, I, I, you know, I would say like worry about the stuff that's like life or death, like be warm enough, (laughs) you know, like I don't mean that, but like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I think that like, um, yeah, like good socks, that's something I really didn't appreciate until I went on a hike that got rained out and I was just miserable and goopy socks for the yeah. rest of the trip and had like waterlogged toes, you know, for days. So yeah, I, I guess I, my thing is like trip planning is like, it's, it's really important. And, and I think you've got to like really go with experienced people mm-hmm. initially. So you don't forget like the essentials, but there's also a True. big element of like, take your lumps, like learn what, 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 gear you really like and what gear uh you know you swear by and um I, you know i know people who do a lot of hiking in like tennis shoes which probably not a great thing oh that's thing. terrible i tried it before it's it's awful yeah i know a guy <laughs> that, that swears by it so i, I don't know but but yeah i don't I know got, it yeah, wrecks your I, shoes and and like <laughs> everything just gets into your feet and then you may roll your ankles and yeah I not know. not I, ideal but i i guess just my thing I, is like you know try it out if it doesn't work upgrade yeah but be on the level yeah i i would say for sure um there's the level of essentials like you need some sort of shelter you need some way to eat and you need some way to drink Mm -hmm. um and you need you do need clothes unless you're on that naked and afraid show or whatever um (laughs) like you probably want clothes um but there yeah will will does bring up a good point like you don't need to go all in for your first trip you can build up a lot of the stuff over time yeah um you can try different things out 
because the other thing too is not everyone's gonna love every same piece of gear so you might go all in and spend a ton of money on some really really nice tent and then find out that uh, you're really a hammock person and you'd rather have gone all in on that or maybe you don't care about having the extra space and you're a bivy person so you go with a bivy sack to go camping yeah Um, yeah I think it's yeah it's like experience is a good teacher for planning and I think for clothing like what you really want to optimize for is comfort. So like break in your shoes beforehand, wear clothing that you've worn before. Like, I think one of the things that I've, I've experienced, you know, myself and and with other people is like, it's very easy to like go to Mac or one of these awesome stores and be like, Oh my God, everything's so sweet. I'm going to get all this spiffy new stuff, but then it's all brand new. You've never worn it. It pinches in places. You didn't notice when you tried it on and like, and then you ask a sales clerk and like, hey, what's best for this? And they'll recommend you a whole slew of things. Oh, yeah. Crap that you don't you should need. Buy. And like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> so it's, I, I would say like, you know, there's a sort of like industry that you have to kind of watch out for that's sort of trying to sell right. you like a bill of goods. Like we were just talking about this thing <laughs> called a heaving line, which, you know, you can buy for like, I don't even know what it is, but apparently you need one. And I was like looking into it and then Ethan found out it's basically just like a rope with a knot at the end. <laughs> so sure, like spend thirty dollars on that, you know, like whatever. It's yeah. it's the rope you throw to the man overboard, which seems kind of ridiculous in a canoe. Yeah. Because you're not in like a ship. <laughs> I I guess it it's necessary enough. It just it seems like a, a weird thing. I know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh let's shift let's shift gears a bit to um food and water because that is an essential for yeah. just surviving so mm-hmm. um i think prepping food is interesting because you'd be carrying it through your entire journey and also water you don't want to always have access to fresh water like how would you approach um you know planning out your meals what to eat what to carry when to hydrate yeah water is the first is the biggest thing i think you can last a while without food but water is key and you really don't want to get sick um i I, it's a it's a very real and present danger you can't just drink water fever 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 you don't want to get it (laughs) so i'd say if you're going to spend money on like a hoo-ha or doodad or whatever spend it on a really good water purifier um i have a nice thing that i like um it works it it filters well um you know, it's well reviewed, and um, I don't—I couldn't think of the name off the top of my head, but it does a job, and I'd say that's essential. Um, you, you really can't go camping without something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I would also suggest for like backpacking, probably also for kayak canoeing and kayaking. Although I don't know from experience, um, having a really really big water bladder uh, is a really nice thing to have, like uh, kind of like a Camelback. But I even like for campsites. Uh, getting a really big like many liter um kind of water bag thing and having that filled up hmm. with fresh water so you don't have to like constantly right. stop to fill up would so. you would you prefer that over like say a nitrogen bottle i have both or so a canister what i usually do when i'm backpacking especially in like more arid climates but um pretty much in general is whenever i stop for the night i fill up a big thing of water um this i have this like i think it's like five liter bag and then i fill my nalgene with that while i'm hiking so i don't have to stop to pump water um, through mm-hmm. the filter i like doing that it's extra weight but like water is so important and um i i don't you know you don't want to stop and you don't know when you know in some hiking climates you don't know when your next creek or 
water source yeah. will be so it's good to be able to carry it and would nice you and recommend camp. something yeah. would you recommend something that's more transparent to contain your water so you can see what you're pumping in or can you use like a, a stainless steel bottle or something like that oh, that's an interesting question i would say i would say the the big negative with stainless steel more so than being able to see into it is it's just going to be heavier uh, um, than, than something else and those are usually like a lot of the times with those stainless steels they'll have added weight um and they'll be bulkier compared to like the size of the bottle compared to the size of the capacity like the capacity of the bottle is um there there's a bigger offset there because they usually have air insulation in them part of the reason they're aluminum is to insulate uh, and keep your water colder for longer which is beneficial for office settings and working out and stuff like that but i find camping that's something i'm willing to sacrifice more because you're pumping from a lake it's not going to be ice cold anyway it's going to be it's going to be lake cold and then uh you're just drinking it as you go mm-hmm. um and i guess so i yeah and uh for me kind of going back to what will was saying is uh, i actually i've thought a while about getting a water bladder that's uh that's one of the things that i will probably get eventually i've I hear, especially with longer hikes, like if I ever do my Appalachian Trail through hike, um, it sounds almost essential. Um, you get, especially when you get into, you can get the water bladders and then get like a gravity filter. So, um, which is a, a different type of filter that I don't have right now, but essentially you fill up one water bladder with dirty lake water and then you have it go through hang it up in a tree have a tube that goes through your filter and into your clean water bag Mm. uh, which you got to make sure to keep separate because you don't want any cross contamination whatsoever Um, or you could get giardia and get really bad diarrhea in the woods which is very dangerous um, very dehydrating not a good thing like it's number one thing you need to avoid Um, but yeah right now i just rock a I've got the one liter Nalgene um, Algonquin Park that's uh, pretty good. Most provincial parks in Ontario have a lot of access to water, especially if you're portaging. Yeah. Um, I, like Will, have a pump filter. It's got a nice little tube with a floater on it. You throw the tube into the water out the side of the canoe. The um, A tube comes out the other end into your Nalgene, and you pump that up. Um, but that being said, I will have to pump mine up a lot more than will. We'll have to fill right. his big bag. Um, one of the biggest pains is if you don't ration your water right and you're like wake up in the middle of the night thirsty or want to brush your teeth and you realize you just ran out of your one liter of water <laughs> and you need a little bit of water for that yeah, or exactly. you're cleaning, especially if you're like cleaning a pot in camp, then, and your only thing is the one liter Nalgene, you fill that up and you got to go and boil some water and like, um, you're trying to use your little bit of water to both drink and clean some stuff and you're pumping like 10 liters of water, one liter at a time into this bottle just to make some food and clean up. Um, that can be a pain. So right. I think Will's probably got a better setup for that than I do. Yeah, I, I think it came from camping more in places where you really didn't always know when you'd have good access to clean water. Like some of the hikes mm-hmm. I've done in like the Cascades, there's plenty of water. It's not like you need to worry, but it's just inconsistent. So you can't count on having water um, just at hand. But in Ontario, it's generally true that you can. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, I think one of the things cool. I want to touch on is food, which is uh, something you mentioned, and I think a huge, huge 
uh, important point and one that I have some thoughts on. Like I, I generally go for like the dehydrated meals because it's just so easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do, I'm conscious that it's not the whole story and that people have been camping and hiking a long time before we had disposable plastics or whatever. So there are other ways of doing yeah. it. And so I just wanted to shout out like, you know, you don't have to go down the single use, uh, like plastic wrapped dehydrated meals as convenient as they are. There's ways of like dehydrating your own food. If you have a dehydrator, which can be really mm-hmm. delicious or even, you know, campfire cooking, um, bringing, uh, food like jerky or like stuff like that, um, that you made yourself. Right. Like there's lots of ways to be creative about it. And so I think like the general advice, and I think it's probably good, especially for people getting started is like, don't overthink it bring buy like as many meals as you need from mech or whatever just use those but um there's ways to be creative about it i think it's rewarding and fun to have like delicious food and um, if you can get away with at least having one or two special meals pack like a little something because you got to keep your spirits up you know so oh for sure and i think i think packing i think the food is a good motivator just to keep going to the next next site as well so Everything tastes better yeah. when you're camping, like chocolate, like a, a fucking like Kit Kat is a, so good. Oh my God. I've never had a Kit Kat as good. And it's like just gas station candy. <laughs> nice. Great. Yeah. So the, uh, the, when I, I agree with, with everything Will said, uh, one thing I will add just as an afterthought for food is also in, I think most of North America actually make sure you have some, um, Make sure you check to see if you need some sort of bear container. Like um, uh, you can get the bear vault things that you put your food in and lock it up or hang it from a bear bag and make sure to look up proper safety. Um, I know in Ontario anyway for the black bears, they're not nearly as dangerous as like grizzlies or something like that. Um, But you do still have to um, cook and set up your camp properly. So in Algonquin Park, uh, where we're going to be doing our next trip, they usually recommend having distinct areas. I forget the exact distance, but you're supposed to have, like, you sleep in one spot, you cook in one spot that's a certain distance away, and then you store your food in another spot, either hung from a tree or in a bear canister. And they should all be a certain distance away uh, from each other. So you can make, like, either a line or a triangle. And most of the sites are set up in such a way that it's fairly obvious this is the cooking area. And then there are other parts that are a certain distance away as well. Um, and that's just to make sure, again, in Ontario, black bears, if they hear you, they'll normally run away. But if they get attracted to your site for food, that's the one one of these situations where they might be easier to provoke or mm-hmm. have some sort of issues. Um, if your food is more tempting than if the temptation of your food outweighs their fear of you. Right. And that's, that's when you have an issue. That's something that you really have to prepare for, too, because you you don't want to get into those scenarios and those encounters and that will that will kind of ruin the fun as well from the trip mm-hmm. oh yeah and sure. so speaking of fun and and enjoying the trip in general like how would you deal with weather conditions because that can be a downer sometimes like it could oh, yeah. be a really rainy weekend and and you just had to go through it with uh you know, soggy feet, um, not ideal walking conditions. Like it's not going to be blue sky, sunshine all the time, right? Like how would you deal with weather conditions? Yeah, that's a big one. I've dealt with it a lot because on the West Coast, you know, rain is a constant feature of the 
environment even in the summer you're not safe mm-hmm. and i've had many many trips get rained out um and i just say you know a good attitude goes a long way uh, pre- prepare well bring socks good merino wool socks are like worth every penny like ethan was saying earlier um and yeah like i don't know like don't let it get to you you know i think we, we we're so used yeah. to being comfortable and i think what was it, Ethan? You said something earlier. I think you got it from someone else. But it's like embrace the suck. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was gonna say that again. It's that that saying from Darwin on the Trails YouTube, embrace the suck. Yeah. And that's another good example of you get soaked in the rain. I mean, you're still outside enjoying nature. Um, as long as you, um, a key thing is make sure you stay warm. Like yeah. you're not going to get hypothermia that's when there's issues but if it's the middle of the summer a nice warm day and you're soaking wet it's fine um you're still outside you're still enjoying yourself you might get blisters but they'll heal um (laughs) uh, i like wearing water permeable like stuff that will dry quick merino wool is really good um one thing i like to do is uh make sure all my gear that i'm worried about is in either dry bags or if you can't afford dry bags like just a big contractor bag works too um what i used to actually do was inside my bag i way over prepare for rain more way more than i need to with my gear (laughs) so i'll have in my bag a giant black compactor or contractor bag like a big garbage bag that fills the entire thing and then inside of that i will put different components of gears like i'll put my sleeping bag in its own trash bag inside of there oh wow and then i'll put dry bags with my sleeping clothes in there and dry bags with my food that's more for scent than for keeping food dry because most of my food is sealed but um and then loose gear in there on top of that and then i also have a rain cover um keep in mind this super overkill yeah (laughs) at the same time i've also never had wet gear when i go to sleep Um, which is good yeah yeah no. and then like the stuff i'm wearing i honestly don't care last time i went portaging i didn't even bother taking my shoes off whenever i'd push the canoe into the water and get like knee deep in the water and just assumed my stuff would dry um did it not always because it was a little colder <laughs> and wasn't good drying conditions but um yeah i mean you just kind of uh suck it up and enjoy being outside yeah i think it's like the biggest thing is that you're going to be uncomfortable. Like you could have perfect weather. You're not sleeping in your comfy bed at home, you know, like just the act of getting outdoors. Like it seems sort of obvious, but you're, the price of admissions is a little discomfort. And, you know, hopefully it's within some sort of tolerable range. And, you know, especially if you're getting started right. with it, you're not getting like really a big black eye. But it's inevitable if you spend a lot of time outdoors that you'll end up in buggy conditions. You'll end up in bad weather. And the important thing is just like, yeah, be prepared. It helps. Um, but also like mentally just, you know, don't hold on to being comfortable because there's way cooler things. Like once you get let go of like wanting to be comfortable, there's so much that you can explore the world's your oyster, you know, like you, you can really have a bunch of cool experiences and have a bunch of like amazing views and, you know, some of the coolest things I've seen, you know, have, have followed a bit of stormy weather. So in terms of Mm -hmm. just like beautiful sunsets or like epic ocean you know views and things so 
generally it's yeah. like it, it makes lean into the discomfort it's it's worth it 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 also makes the good like it highlights the good parts more which is i think the same thing of like when you're super tired and have hiked all day all the camping food tastes better it's like every <laughs> uh when the sun comes out from behind the storm and you start to see like rainbows and stuff like it's so much more beautiful because you've just been poured on uh, right and i i find uh i always try and keep the the mindset too of like i i laugh it off as much as I can when that stuff happens. And I always think back to, well, this is going to make an awesome story. Uh, this yeah. is going to make a great podcast episode. Um, <laughs> this is, this is going to be hilarious when I'm done it. And if I think about that enough, most of the time I find it hilarious while it's happening. Yeah. Um, right. I guess it's all about the, uh, the experience and the moments, uh, that we all kind of treat this as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As long as everyone's safe, um, then everything else, like, it doesn't matter nearly as much. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you, you, I always think back to, I could be sitting at my computer working <laughs> or like stuck inside. Exactly. Like I, I would always rather be in, I'd rather be stuck in torrential downpour with <laughs> up to my knees in mud any day than, you know, sitting inside working or something. I mean, as much as I love sitting inside <laughs> working sometimes. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I mean, it, it is a, it is an experience that's, you do get a good kick out of so no it's 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 totally a, a rewarding experience too yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that being said bring a first aid kit yeah yes definitely safety first yep. so i think um that's going to be it for us this week um i hope you all uh will start planning your next backpacking journey as well and if you have anything you'd like to hear from us or any questions, you can reach us uh, by email at info Make sure you follow our social channels uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Trailbusters. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast uh, wherever podcasts can be downloaded. And this is it for The Trailbusters. I'm Bing. I'm Will. And I'm Ethan. And we'll see you on the next trail. and some trails.